0: America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life.
1: breath of God. Grace has many expressions. And without a doubt, it has engaged in your life so many times, you have no idea. Yeah. What makes it so awesome is that what you are doing is you're saying, dear Lord, make me a channel for grace. No, no, God, I am a channel for grace. I was born a channel for grace. It's simply that now I am ready to live it. Because grace has always been around you. It is that you may think of it as something other than what it is. And I think that if you understood how often and how much your lives have been protected, guided, intervened, by heaven, your jaw would drop on the floor. And that is the nature of grace. And it's an itsy-bitsy voice, but everybody has that. It's like a, a wave of guilt that goes through you. That says, are you really sure you want to say that or think that about that person? That's that's grace in action. That's grace that comes in and says, take that back. That's how grace operates in your life. It saves you from doing something harsh and dark. And gives you an option to do something good and light in this place. Grace is the breath of God.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. That was our wonderful friend and soul sister, Carolyn Mace. And if you haven't heard of her, you can go to her website at carolynmace.com. She's got an upcoming retreat in New Mexico uh, coming up at the La Fonda Plaza and a lot of other, other events coming up in 2020 as well. Carolyn, I have loved the way that she just speaks truth to power with no fluff. She doesn't try to sugarcoat anything. She tells you as it is. And that, for me, says, I don't want anything from you. I'm here. Accept me as I am. And um, whatever we can do together, it will be great. And that might be in a perfect world where we are just totally authentic, truthful, spot on. But then life has a way of um, taking us into twists and turns and ups and downs and ins and outs. And we're glad when you can join us on America Meditating Radio because... It's not only my own journey of self-exploration as well, despite the fact that I've been on my own personal journey for 30 years and very rooted and seeped in it, and um, I've been blessed by a tremendous amount of opportunities to be of service and to be served and to travel the world, to travel the world and to be with the greatest influencers and to have babies die in your arms under one year old. I've seen it all, I've been living it, and still there's a thought and a feeling and an idea, I must remain curious, I must remain open because there's so much more to life. Perhaps one of the greatest pains we can cause ourselves is to feel that we know it all and we've been there, done that, and I think that closes the door of opportunity to basically learn more and to see more, to feel more. Okay, love is love, but do you want love for a week or do you want love for many lives, right? So I have love. Oh, yeah, but okay, how much? For a week or for many, many lives? And so I think that's where the opening and the curiosity and um, the being mindful and, and the accepting that if you've fallen down, that it's an opportunity for you to also get up in a way that you've never gotten up before. And so this show is about this, it's about our resilience, it's about our getting back up, it's about second chances. Today we have two very special guests, James and Steph Porporas, their journey of transformation is nothing short of extraordinary. Before they met 15 years ago, both of their lives had actually hit rock bottom. They were both financially, emotionally, and spiritually bankrupt. Life had beaten them down so much, they had shattered their self-esteem. And at the lowest point in their lives, they met and were united by a shared vision of creating and becoming more. They started the only place they could by working on themselves and helping each other grow. Isn't that beautiful? They believed in each other, but more importantly, they challenged each other every step of the way and never settled for less. Fast forward 15 years later, after many ups and downs and a lot of hard work, Steph and James recently sold their tech company, one of the world's largest construction software companies. They have five beautiful children and live an extraordinary life. Through this journey, though, of self-creation, they developed a personal philosophy and centered around perception. They believe perception, more than any other factor, will determine how someone's life will actually turn out James and Steph started Powerful You as their way to get back, to give back to the world. Their new book is entitled Perception: Seeing is Not Believing. It gives me great pleasure to welcome James and Steph Popura. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. I love your story. Thank you so
2: much. Uh, Steph was not able to join us today. She wasn't feeling well. Sorry about that, but. I'm here, and thank you so much. Those are kind words you said, and I'm I'm glad you love our story. What what part of it really attracted you to it?
0: Well, it was thought-provoking because uh, my question was, what is it that made you decide to actually share your very, very personal story about your journey to the world? What was that compelling push that made you both realize, I think we can help so many by just sharing what we've been through?
2: You know, it's interesting because um, when we started Powerful Year, we we put on our first event, and it was, you know, a rather large event, like 2,500 people were going to be there. And, and I came home one day, and I told Steph, I said, you know, I got this idea, and I, we need to film our stories and show these stories kind of to backbone the event and between speakers to tie all the content together. And she looked at me and said, you're crazy. We're not telling those stories. <laughs> but she knew I was right. She's, got, she's a very intuitive person, and she's like, okay, well, what would it look like? And so at that point, what we knew is, is that stories open people up. And, mm-hmm. But we didn't really realize to what degree they opened them up. And so the first time we showed our stories in film was at that event. And I remember the night we were sharing them, you know, Steph was sitting in the green room and she was crying because she felt this overwhelming, you know, feeling like oh, people are going to reject me because they know the truth about me now. And what happened was exactly the opposite. When we introduced ourselves the next day, we stood there for seven hours and we met people, and the same narrative kept coming across. Thank you for giving me uh-huh. permission to tell my story. You know, thank you for you told my story. You told my story. And so what we realized at that point is that your story only has power over you when you keep it inside.
0: Yes, yes, yes. James, can I tell you what makes the times that we're in so absolutely – Powerfully profound and exciting and awe inspiring and liberating is that we're somehow finding the courage, James, to just let the world know what we're going through and not holding it quietly and privately ashamed by ourselves, thinking that we're going through it by ourselves. Because you and I know so many people are reluctant to share their personal stories because of the feeling of being very vulnerable. What are your thoughts about vulnerability and um why do you think it could be so powerful for people to to open up more about their their stories and share their vulnerable side? Is it a sense of community? For me, I feel like I'm not alone. I feel like the burden is lifted from me and I feel like I'm protected. I don't know about you, how you feel when you open up your deeper sides.
2: So, I mean, it goes back to kind of what I just said was that your story only has power over you if you keep it inside. Mm-hmm. You know that the power of shame holds you in place, and so often we say, "Stop trying to be perfect," you know, because we live in this world where everybody only posts perfect pictures on social media, right? Stop trying to be perfect, because if you actually accomplished it, you'd be the only one. And what your story does is what we've seen that, that level of vulnerability is that it's strength. It's, it's the embracing of what is, right, and saying this is me, all my strengths, all my weaknesses, you know. And what you do when you share your story is you, is you give other people permission to share their stories, so as it relates to the world we're currently living in, there are a vast number of issues like childhood sexual assault, like that yep. only exist because we shroud them in darkness. Right? If we are to, if we were to open them up and shine light on that, then those those issues would just stop existing because they can only exist in the darkness that we provide by hiding Behind shame of what we experienced, instead of coming out and saying yes. that we had these experiences, and once once everybody comes out and says that, then there is no place for a predator to hide.
0: Well, let's talk about your life, right? You there's there were some tragic events that took took you down, and it was hard for you, and it became a catalyst for dramatic change for you. Tell us a little bit about what happened and how did that change in your life bring both you and Steph together?
2: So, when I was in kindergarten, it became apparent that I had some pretty severe learning disabilities. You know, this was back in the 70s, and, and so I remember the first day that my teacher called me up. She called me up in front of the class, and she goes, it's time for you to go to special ed, and she said to me, I just want you to know that only stupid and retarded kids go to special ed. And so I kind of stopped and I paused and I, I like in my head back, like what, what just happened? And then when she sent me out the door, she made the entire class call me stupid on the way out the door, you know? And of course I went home and I told my mom, but she was a undiagnosed bipolar disorder, you know, depression. My stepdad worked 15 hours a day and my dad was off doing drugs. So she just told me I would have to learn to deal with it. And you know, I thought to myself, uh-huh. well maybe this is just a one time thing and the next day I go in and the same thing happens and it happened every day. And so essentially, you know, fast forward a ton of years and then, you know, I'm sitting in a jail cell. Matter of fact, I'm sitting in solitary confinement. And I'm left to look at the shambles of what my life had become because eventually I became, you know, I got on drugs and, you know, I started doing small crimes to, you know, support my habit. And I ended up in this cell because I made the wrong person mad. And so I'm sitting in this cell. And so when I'm sitting in the cell, I have an epiphany. And here's what the epiphany was. is I had this thought, and the thought was, I'd written this long list of people that I felt like who had harmed me because I felt very much like a victim at this point in my life. And mm-hmm. as I looked down at this list, I was getting ready to meditate to try to offer these people forgiveness. And I was so staring at this list. I had this epiphany and it was this. The only common denominator between all of those things is me. What if I somehow in fact created all of that? And so as I mm-hmm. thought about that, you know, the idea of am I the creator of my existence or am I not the creator of my existence, right? Because I've never really considered that idea before.
0: And
2: as I thought about that, I really dove into what it meant on both sides. And if I was not the creator of my existence, it meant the world really probably was a terrible place and I didn't want to be there anymore because I'd led, led a pretty terrible existence to that point. But the other side of that was, well, if I am, in fact, the creator of my existence, that means I can create something new in its place, but also it meant I had to take responsibility for everything that ever happened to me. And so, as I kind of looked at that, I said, well, if I could figure out the mechanism by which somebody creates their life, then I could create something new and magical. So, it was on that day that I decided that I was the creator of my existence, and I took responsibility for everything that ever happened to me, and then What I realized much later was that was on that day I took my power back.
0: Mm -hmm. So you just spoke about the law of karma. You took accountability, the fact that there's got to be something in the soul that made the choices that you made maybe somewhere in the past, and it's manifesting the scenario that you're getting presently. And if you don't stop the pattern, then it will continue. And so something within you said, I have to change something within me. And that's what shifted, because what you explained to me is total, totally about karma.
2: Right. So, I, I mean, there's another way to look at it, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: the next question I had to ask myself is, what created this life?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I, I totally believe in karma, but I'm going to give you the – every spiritual principle has a physical component to it. So I'm going to give you the physicality of it. So what I essentially had to do was when I went back to that – experience in kindergarten, what did I take responsibility for? I did not take responsibility for the acts of my abuser, right? Because in doing that, bad, good things happen to, I mean, bad things happen to good people all the time. That was their responsibility and ownership. And so what I realized at that point was forgiveness was not about letting the other person off the hook. It was about letting me off the hook because I had to ask myself, well, does the abuse define me? And if the answer to that question is yes, then I'm stuck forever. Because Mm -hmm. I can't go back and change the abuse. But what I could change and what what I discovered defined my life is what I chose to believe about myself from the abuse. So we all have these crossroads in life where something happens. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, from this point forward – Right? I can choose to believe something about myself that's going to impact everything I do from this, that point forward. And what i that was the fall into fear. Right? That was a fall from love to fear. It was this creation of separation. Because I didn't have a good support system. I chose to believe what she said.
0: But well, what I just if you don't. didn't know any better? No, I, I mean, she's enough. an authority. She's an authority. You're young. You're impressionable. I mean, I don't I'm know so any kids. I'm so glad you said that. I'm so yeah. glad you said that. So how because, do we manage? I mean, it's normal, right?
2: So here's this next question I'd ask myself.
0: Mm-hmm. Did
2: everybody who's incurred abuse in their life allow it to destroy them? And the answer is no. And so what you just did, right, was you gave me permission to give away my power.
0: We sometimes don't know better, and so we do give away our power to people who are in positions of authority like our parents and stuff. So what you're saying is, even when we're young, I mean, is there a lesson that we have the ability to just say, look, mom, dad, what you're doing is not right. Stand up. And, and I mean, I can see that now in this generation, but in my years I couldn't see myself doing that James as much as I would have loved to. Right.
2: No, no, no. So now let's, let's assume that I had a mom that was fully cognitive and jumped in, got me therapy, got it fixed. Right. Mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, I could have gone on a different path, but here's the really important thing that we have to understand is Yes, we can make the argument that I didn't have a choice, meaning I made the most logical explanation because here's a person of authority telling me I'm stupid. Why wouldn't I believe them, especially being five years old? But Mm -hmm. the most important element of that is it was still my choice. And that's where the power was, right? Because I chose to believe that. And nobody can take that away from me because when I – when I start making excuses for why I believed it, I am diminishing my power to create my life. It was my choice in that moment to believe her that created my terrible life. Yeah. And so now I'm going to fast forward because I, you said something really important. I need all of your listeners to understand this. If your life is not what you want it to be, it's not because you've done anything wrong. It's because you made the only decision you could with the information you had available to you.
0: Yes, I right? agree.
2: So it doesn't matter if you're 5 or 55. You still only have the available information, and that's where perception comes into play. And so I made the only decision I could with the information that I had available to me, but I still made the decision, which which is the creative element of my life, which means I had the power to decide something else. I didn't have yeah. the information.
0: I'll tell you this, James. This requires a deeper conversation because I think there's something so powerful in it. Especially with the younger generation and the way that we perceive ourselves because we're developing, we're growing into our identity, we're growing into our ego. I believe in this idea of perception. Your film and your book are based on the study of perception. And I want you to explain a little bit more because you do say seeing is not believing. So give us some insights on your results of the research of perception and. How does that help us to evolve more in our lives?
2: So if seeing is not believing, what is? Well, believing is seeing, is actually what the science says. So here's how it helps people evolve, is what people need to understand is, you know, I know that this is a spiritual show, right? And I'm actually a spiritual person, although I don't talk about it a lot. But what I discovered is that every spiritual principle has a physical component to it. And, you know, when you talk about things like law of attraction, different stuff, that all comes down to perception. And so in the physical manifestation of those things, everything that you see, everything that you are is dictated by perception. So we talk about two concepts, perception and emotions, right? And your emotions are the only reason you ever do anything. So the two things that determine how your life is going to turn out are your perception and your emotions, period, right? Right? And so the question is is why don't we understand them more? Because nobody's talking about these concepts. I mean, our not only are we ignorant to how perception works, our relationship with emotions is terrible. We don't even understand how to process them. We're constantly projecting them. And they're our greatest gift, they're our greatest guideposts in this journey we call life. And so here's how perception works. And this is this is the part where everybody gets messed up. The basic understanding of perception is, is that you do not see reality. As a matter of fact, your mind has zero access to it, zero. And so I say that to people and people who know that they don't see reality go, Oh yeah, yeah I know that, but they don't actually believe that because it feels real. Right. And so if we don't see reality, what do we see? We see an assumption of what we think reality is based on our past experiences so every sure. time you have a, an experience, your mind does something similar to a Google search. And this is all instant, right? When you walk right. into a room and you're looking around, your mind does something too similar to a Google search and it says, what does this mean? And it goes back and it finds it finds situations that are similar to the situation and delivers the same result that it did last time. Well, last time you had this experience, it meant this, so it must mean this again. But what if it doesn't mean that, right? And that's the assumption part of it. And so we tell a really simple story to make people understand the concept of perception. And you'll understand it. So I'm going to ask you a question. And the question is, is do you think that you can have the thing that you want sitting right in front of your face and just not see it? The thing yes. that you want the most.
0: I'm not yeah. the best person so for that, you agree. but
2: yes. <laughs> okay, so yeah, but I want to – most people say yes to that answer, right? Uh-huh. And so – but I'm going to tell a simple story to demonstrate it. So I want you to picture in your mind a man. This man wants more than anything to be in a relationship. He wants to be loved. Unfortunately, he has abysmal self-esteem, right, poor self-image of himself. So one day he walks into a store, and he walks up to the counter, and the girl behind the counter starts flirting with him. My question for you is does he recognize the girl's flirting
0: with him? I think he does, but then he gets this thought of doubt that it, it's not really him. It must be somebody behind him.
2: Right. And so, I mean, that's one way to do it. Everybody goes, you know, when I ask that question, most people go, probably not. And so why doesn't he see it? Well, because you said he had really low self-esteem. And so why? And so here's why perception seems not a believing. If the opposite is actually true, is your perception works on a scale Right, just like your eyesight, it's in a limited field. The more you believe something, right, the more likely you are to see it. The less you believe it, the less likely you are to see it. So, in this situation, Mm -hmm. because this guy has low self esteem, he doesn't believe it's possible. And so, why doesn't he see it? And it's actually just a matter of capacity. You know, I ask people all the time would you go to the end of a rainbow and look for a pot of gold? And they say, well, no. And I say, why not? Because I don't believe it's there. Well, your mind works the same way. Your subconscious mind is taking in millions of bits of information a second, and then its job is to deliver the most interesting pieces to you, right, That, based on your current set of beliefs. Well, your mind does not take time looking for things it doesn't believe is possible. Therefore, that's why he doesn't see it is because he doesn't believe it. So seeing is not believing. Believing is seeing. Now, we've all been in this circumstance where this – type of situation has happened sometimes we're the guy at the counter sometimes we're a friend standing off to the side and so oftentimes it's like you know the guy turns around from the counter comes walking toward you as a friend and you look at him like dude what are you doing my girl's flirting with you and instantly you realize it's true because that information is in there right it just didn't register so i ask people all the time You know, if this guy can have the thing he wants most in the world sitting right in front of his face and you just can't see it, what if that's happening to you? And the answer is it's happening every single day.
0: Yes, I get it. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners who tune in here get it because we are sometimes blocked at a subconscious level to really believe in our worth and our value. I want to talk about the emotional integration technique could you share a little bit more about it and its significant role in helping us to really transform the way we perceive ourselves and the world outside of us?
2: Sure, absolutely. So here's how I would explain it to everybody. So the question is, is this. Have you ever been upset? Has it something ever upset you? And the level of anger that you're displaying is not appropriate for the situation. And the answer for all of us is yes, right? It's like all of a sudden somebody says something, you know, we're firing mad, and it's like, why am I so mad? This wasn't that big of a deal. And the answer is is because we all have unprocessed emotions that are sitting inside of our system creating these blocks. And so the way perception works is that your perception goes back and picks past memories to dictate what is currently happening? Well, if those emotions, if those memories have an unprocessed emotion attached to them, the emotion comes with it. So it just delivers it. And all of a sudden you're angry and, you know, your spouse is looking at you like, "What? are you crazy? What's, why are you so mad, right? Because they don't have that same experience. And so what most people don't realize is that emotions are not stored in the mind. Emotions are stored in the body. And so, one of the things that happened along our journey is when we got to our first million dollars, I looked at my wife, Steph, and I said, "Are you happy?" She says, said, "No, me either." I said, "No," she said, "Me either," and I said, "Well, why?" Because we thought when we got everything we wanted that we would in fact be happy. But what we what we under what we discovered is is what it takes to create material wealth, and what it create, takes to create happiness are two different things. But those, they're the same. There are different sides to the same coin that we call perception. And so creating material stuff is all about c- controlling your perception of the outside world, managing it as it comes out. Creating happiness is about going in and changing your perception of the inside world. And so what the emotional integration technique is, it's a technique to go in, and here's what most your listeners need to understand in order to do this technique, is you have to think of your body as your subconscious mind and specifically your central nervous system. It runs down your spine. And so emotions get trapped in your body. And so I would ask anybody that's listening to me right now, bring up anything that upsets you or irritates you or anything like that. Really focus and allow yourself to feel that. And when you feel it, where in your body is it? Is it in your stomach? You know, is it the bottom of your spine? Is it in your heart? Is it in your shoulders? Is it in your head, right? So essentially what's happening on your physiology is when you have a traumatic experience, the adrenaline fires, and where it lands, that's where the emotion imprints. And so when your perception goes in and starts pulling memories, memories with unprocessed emotions are more likely to be chosen because they're in the forefront. And they're coming up to let you know that there is a disruption in your system that needs to be cleared. So essentially what the emotional integration techniques is is that when I take somebody through it and I have them bring something up that's upsetting to them, we identify where that is in their body. And then there's always a memory attached to that emotion. We go back, we find the memory. And it just, when you start focusing on the pain, the memory pops into your mind. You don't have to think about it. The memory pops into your mind. We go back to that memory and we reprocess that experience right, imprinting a new emotion. And So essentially those emotions are unprocessed. You have to feel that emotion in its full glory. You have to show gratitude and love for the protection that it was trying to offer you at that time. You have to show protection and love for the version of you that chose to feel that way. And then you feel the emotion and you release it through gratitude and love. And then what happens is the next time, unbeknownst to you, that your perception pulls that memory to dictate your current experience, it comes with a very different emotional response, which is love and gratitude. Mm
3: -hmm. So we're going
2: into past and printing new emotions to old experiences. And that's how you create happiness, because you're cleaning out all the garbage.
0: Yes, I get it. That's good. I do believe that a lot of the past experiences are interfering in our destiny. And you can't really take your past into your destiny. I don't call it destiny. I just call it the repeat of your past. You haven't opened up your destiny yet. I was in India a few years ago, and it was a rough year. I had lost a few thousand dollars, which I left in a bag. And I was really, really sick. Um, I almost, you know, passed on. And I remembered talking to this my senior yogi aunt, who was 103, And I said to her, Daddy, I don't know what's going on. It seems as if all of my good fortune has come to an end. And with her wisdom, she just looked me deep into the eyes and she said, your fortune hasn't even begun. And what that moment did for me, James, is that it made me realize how I was still maybe playing off of my past narrative. And she was looking at a future one, which I hadn't even tapped in fully yet. And I think that when we look at the power of perception, that's what we need to look at, is that are you able to perceive that the world of possibility or the world of unlimited love and potential is yours? And we're like having to stretch our awareness to believe that we are worthy enough to receive such a beautiful life. The decisions that you've made, some of them, weren't the best. And some of them turned out, even though they weren't the best, turned out to be the best because you learned a lot. Why can sustainable change be difficult for many people? Why is it that when the change comes, sometimes it's not always easy to sustain it? Do you get what I'm trying to say?
2: There's a lot in that question. I know. The first thing <laughs> I, I, want, I want people to understand is, is that you've never made a bad decision. And when I say that, people go, no, I've made a lot of bad decisions. And the answer is no. And not only have you never made a bad decision, you're not even capable of making a bad decision unless you're a sociopath or mentally ill. And what I mean by that is is that we're only ever doing the best we can with the information that we have. And so the difference is, is that you've only ever made decisions based on bad information. And the reason, you know, sometimes people go, well, that's phonetics. I said, no, it's not. I said, the biggest difference is, and what I want your listeners to understand is, if you've never made a bad decision, that means we all make decisions the best way we can. We look at all the available information, and we we make the decision we think is in our best interest at that time. It may not work out that way, but it's the best decision we can make at that time. And so the reason that's so important to understand is what everybody needs to understand is there's nothing wrong with you. There is nothing wrong with you. It was only ever the information, right? It's just the better the information you have, the better decision you make. You cannot make a good decision based off bad information. It's just not possible,
3: mm-hmm. right?
2: And so essentially the reason I'm telling you that is because so many of our listeners, you know, people who are out there, they're in so much pain, and they think that there's something wrong with them, and I'm telling you there's nothing wrong with you. Yes. That you need to stop beating yourself up because it was never about you.
0: Absolutely. You're doing the best
2: you can. It's about the information. And so it's about the information. That's all. And so where do we get our information? We get our information from perception. And this is why it's so important for people to understand why this concept and to get our book and to get our movie because – Once you understand the source of your information, then you can upgrade that information and upgrade your experience. And so essentially, from a spiritual point of view, you are living in fear, right? And so at some level. And so you have to move from fear into love. And that's the Mm -hmm. bad information. It's fear-based information. So the easiest, the reason it's so hard to change is, I'll just give you a simple example, is, is that, People are going around trying to change habits. You're trying to live at the, change at the level of effect, not at the level of cause, right? And so habit is not the cause. A belief is the cause. And so let's take weightless, for example. You know, I lost the same 35, 40 pounds like seven times, so I was really obsessed by why it's so hard to change and why we always give it back, right? And here's what we discovered is that if you change at the level of habit, you have no way of knowing during that process of change if you change the belief that is driving the behavior. And so we have to really understand and try to change at the level of belief. And so if you see something manifesting in your life, that is the effect. The cause is the belief, right? And so you have to go in and say, what belief is driving this behavior? And if I change that, then I cut the weed off at the root, and the behavior automatically changes because there's no longer driving it. But what happens so oftentimes is we change the habit, right? And we change the habit and we get to where we want to, like in the, in the example of weight loss, and we lose all the weight. And as soon as we take our conscious attention and we stop white-knuckling it and we, we look in another direction, the belief comes in and resets the habit. And we're right back to where we started from. So you have to understand right. that the only true change is at the level of perceptions about changing the beliefs. Now, yeah. how do you know what you believe? Is Because you've got to know what you believe in your subconscious mind in order to change. Well, we have a, an assessment called Perception Sketch that will tell you all your false and limiting beliefs. It's really hard to read, but it's there. But there mm-hmm. is a guidepost on it, and that's your emotions. What people need to understand is that your emotions – are your window into your subconscious mind. When you have a negative emotional response or a fear-based response, it is pointing at a belief that you have that doesn't serve you and is not empowering, okay? Meaning, it's like, why do the things upset you, upset you? And so here's what we do with emotions as human beings. We're taught it from very young age to do two things. We either repress them, we shove them down into our body, and that's where the emotional integration technique is because those get stuck. Or we project them and we make our emotions about other people. And the biggest challenge I see people facing when it comes to change is that they're constantly making their emotions about other people. You made me feel this way, right? And they're con- or they're making their emotions about us. And it's like, oh, well, they're mad at me. They must hate me, right? That is the least empowering thing you can do with your emotions. When you're able to go, okay, why am I upset right now? And so I'll give you an example. So coming out of that kindergarten experience, I believed that I was stupid. Well, over time, I changed that belief because I realized on a conscious level that I wasn't stupid. Right? And so consciously, I believed I was smart. But on a subconscious level, deep down, there was still a belief that I was stupid. So if somebody called me stupid or even insinuated that I was stupid, you could have said something like, you know, you wouldn't understand. I'd be like, oh, you call me stupid? That emotional response of anger that I felt when I felt like somebody was treating me or, you know, acting like I was stupid was pointing at the subconscious belief that I was still harboring that I was in fact dumb. And so when right. I was able to go in and process the emotions around that, I was able to let go of that. And You can call me stupid all day long now. It's never going to upset me. Mm-hmm. And so your emotions are your window into your subconscious mind. You have to use them as a guide.
0: I got that. It, it does help this kind of determine how we want to think and what we want to feel. Are you planning on doing more screenings of the movie? I know a lot of our conversations are wrapped into the dialogue in the movie. And are you on tour for your book? Any upcoming events that you could mention as we come to a close?
2: A couple of things. You can see our... So our company is called powerful com. On our website, you can actually watch the movie right now. You can screen it right from our website. We do have an app that was just released. It's called The Powerful Universe, which is a content app, and you can, you can download that to any device, any TV, and you can watch the movie through the app once you buy it on the website. And so that's available for purchase. We also have our book. It's on, it comes out tomorrow, actually. Officially, the official release date is tomorrow, which is November 12th. And so you can buy the book right now on pre-sale on Barnes & Noble, and amazon.com and it will ship to you and so that's available we do have an event coming up in utah it's called it's a women's event called powerful women and we're probably planning a movie screening here soon and next year we'll be doing some screenings around the country but i wouldn't wait i'd go on the website and watch the movie right now buy the book so you can really understand these concepts
0: Beautiful, beautiful, James. Thanks so much. We really miss Steph, but give us, give her our love and remembrance. And I look forward to continuing our conversation down the road when we have more time. It's of great interest for me, and I'm sure for many of our listeners. So your website is the powerful slash u dot com. Is that the best website for folks to get in touch with you? Yeah,
2: dash the letter u dot com.
0: There you go. All right. Well, James. Purpuras, thank you so very much, and um, all the very best.
2: Thank you so much. You have a wonderful day. I really enjoyed our conversation.
0: Mhm. Mhm. Me too. So, ladies and gentlemen, there it goes. It's a lot about what's going on in the past that keeps holding us hostage, and we need to find a way to unleash that hold of our past perceptions and really find freedom. I know we're not used to the energy of freedom, but guess what? We're going to get there no matter what. Maybe the times will help us. Maybe someone will come along the way and just say the right thing in the right way. Who knows? Something's going to give, and we're going to get it right. And we're going to be open, and we're going to have to keep looking at getting it right. (laughs) Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we really are here to love each other the same. So let's shine our light as bright as possible and be kind. Here's Dreamweaver. Take care.
3: Just close my eyes again. Climbed aboard the dream train. Try to take away my. World.